Hi, you're listening to the Baby Manual Podcast, the podcast that helps you feel confident as a new parent. I'm your host, a pediatrician and mom, and the author of the Baby Manual, Dr. Carol Keim. Great, today I'm going to talk about the first week that your baby's alive, what's normal and what can seem kind of scary, and things that I wish I knew as a mom or things I did know from my pediatric residency when I was first a mom that I was glad that I knew about. So first of all, I'm going to talk about your emotions as a new mom. It's normal to have something called baby blues, which is caused by the hormonal shift when baby is born. There's a big change in your hormones, and it's normal to feel a little sad, a little overwhelmed, and exhausted. It's totally fine. Now, when that comes to a point where you're not able to take care of yourself anymore, that can be a sign of postpartum depression. So there is something called an Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. If you Google it, you can find it real easily and check yourself and uh, give yourself a score. If it's nine or higher, that's a good sign that you do have postpartum depression and should seek some help. But it's normal to be really tired and also not to bond with your baby initially. Some people have told me that the first time they saw their baby, they were immediately in love. And I didn't feel that when my baby was born. And I didn't realize at the time, but that is actually a normal thing. It can take a few days or even a few weeks for you to really bond with your baby and fall in love with them. So that's okay. Now, one thing that's kind of scary to new parents is the first poop that your baby has. It's called meconium. Now, meconium is thick and black and sticky. It's about the consistency of toothpaste, but about as sticky as thick molasses and about as dark. That is a normal poop, and that can happen for the first couple of poops even. Um, and then it starts to transition a little bit. It becomes a dark green color after that, like an army green. Then it becomes a bright fluorescent green, like a ninja turtle green. And then finally, we'll change to a yellow, like a fancy mustard with little seeds in it. And those seeds are kind of like cottage cheese. It's just bits of digested milk. And so that's a normal newborn poop. They should have one poop within the first 48 hours of life. And then after that, the next couple of days, they're pooping a few times, maybe about four times a day for the next few days. But then once mom's milk surges, if they're breastfeeding, they start pooping about every time that they eat. So it becomes a lot more often after that. Now with pee, the first couple of peas are really concentrated. And that's because babies, when they're first born, they're just waterlogged and they don't consume a whole lot of water. So their pee comes out really concentrated. Sometimes we see these little orange crystals in the diaper. It kind of looks like brick dust or we call it rusty pipes sometimes. It can kind of mimic blood. It's not blood. It's just really concentrated urine. After that happens, or sometimes it doesn't happen at all, the baby can just start with really concentrated dark yellow urine or even brownish color. That's normal. The baby should pee at least once in the first 24 hours of life, and then about two to four times a day until mom's milk surges. And then it's again once every time they eat approximately. Now, babies who are formula feeding will start to pee and poop a little sooner than babies who are breastfeeding, and that's okay. Now, baby's stomach, when they're first born, is very tiny. It's about the size of a cherry. Then within the first couple of days of life, it, it grows to be about the size of a walnut. And so babies are only eating a few drops of colostrum when they're breastfeeding. And colostrum is very concentrated breast milk. It has all the nutrients they need. It has antibodies in it. Super healthy for them. If they're eating formula, they should only be taking about 5 or 10 mLs per feed for the first couple of days, and then we'll quickly go up to 20 or more per feed. When you're breastfeeding, 
It's going to be painful at the beginning. Your breasts are not used to being sucked on 15 or 20 times a day. And so your breasts can get really sore. Your nipples can get dry and cracked. If you think about when you lick your lips a lot, it's the same kind of skin on your nipples as on your lips. And sometimes your lips can get chapped when you lick them too much. And then when you lick them again, it feels better for a second and then it just starts to burn. So that can happen too. So my best advice that I got when I was a new mom is to aggressively hydrate those nipples. Every time your baby breastfeeds, make sure you put on some nipple cream afterwards and you don't have to wipe it off before the next time they feed. It takes about two weeks for your breast to get used to being sucked on that much. So it's normal to be sore for the first two weeks or so. Sometimes it happens sooner that they get better. Um, but give yourself two weeks to really get used to breastfeeding. And also it can take baby two weeks to really learn how to breastfeed. Some babies will do fine and then they'll forget and then they'll remember again. And that's totally normal. So just keep at it is my recommendation for the first couple of weeks and really give yourself a solid two weeks of trying before you decide whether or not breastfeeding is for you. In that time, it's okay to pump. If you do want to use a breast pump, I suggest doing it after baby eats and do it in the early morning hours. Your prolactin level is going to be the highest between about midnight and 6 a.m. So babies will tend to cluster feed at those times. Even formula-fed babies will cluster feed around that time because they naturally know that that's when they're going to get the most milk. So when you go to pump, if you pump around 6 or 7 in the morning after baby ate, then that should help you to get the most uh, return. You can also pump as often as every time baby eats as soon as they're done if you want to, and that can help your supply to come up quicker. Now, in terms of things like tongue ties, lip ties, and cheek ties, there's a lot of controversy about these, but times that a tongue tie really needs to be fixed is if baby sticks out their tongue and it makes a W shape at the tip. That W shape is a sign that the frenulum underneath the tongue is too short or too tight and that needs to be released. Uh, also, if baby sticks their tongue out and it doesn't get past their bottom lip, that is abnormal. They probably will need that tongue tie released. Some people will get it fixed due to nipple pain. And like I said, it's going to take you two weeks for your nipples to get used to being sucked on that much. So give it that time before deciding if you really need to fix a tongue tie or not. When babies do get their tongue ties clipped, they have to relearn how to eat again. And sometimes that can be even harder on your nipples. So I would suggest not doing it just for pain. One other reason to fix a tongue tie is if baby is not gaining enough weight. So if your pediatrician measures them at their first and second visit and they're not gaining enough, that could be a sign that they have a tongue tie that's too tight and it's just too hard for them to eat. Lip ties and cheek ties, according to the newest recommendations by the Academy of Pediatrics, don't need to be fixed. So if your baby is told that they have a, if you're told your baby has a lip tie or cheek tie, you don't need to do anything about that. Those are actually normal. For skincare, some babies will get what's called a normal newborn rash, and it looks kind of like chicken pox on their skin. It's red, flat spots with little white raised blisters in the middle of it. And that is a normal rash. That's just them getting used to being outside of the body. Your baby's been in a bath for about nine months, so it's going to be expected that their skin's going to take some time to adjust to being outside. They're also going to get pretty dry and peely, typically. If you live in an area with high humidity, you might not have this happen. But um, in places where you have a drier climate, baby skin is probably going to peel and crack. So for that, I would recommend something really greasy like Aquaphor or Vaseline on their creases, especially their wrists and their ankles, because that's where they tend to get the most cracking. 
And those kind of greasy ointments will really help keep their skin moisturized. I don't recommend coconut oil. I see a lot of parents try that and a lot of babies get rashes because of it. And uh, coconut oil soaks in really fast and then makes your skin drier. So I don't recommend that. You could use an unscented baby lotion, but baby lotion also will soak in fast. And most baby lotions do have some scented stuff in it. And so those can cause a little bit of skin irritation too. So something plain like Vaseline or Aquaphor would be really great for that. For diaper rash, so it's pretty rare that babies will get diaper rash in the first week, but they might. Some babies are actually allergic to their diapers or to the wipes that are being used, and that can cause an irritant diaper rash. So if that's happening, it should go away with normal diaper cream, and you can try different brands of diapers if it's happening super early on like that. You only really need to use wipes if your baby poops. You don't have to wipe off pee from their skin. When they poop, I suggest using a water wipe for that. A water wipe is just plain water, and that'll be gentlest on your baby's bottom. Or you could use a washcloth with water on it. For baby boys versus girls, taking care of that area is a little bit different. So baby girls, it's normal for them to have some vaginal discharge. It'll be white or clear, typically. And sometimes they can even get a small period called pseudomenses. And that happens around day five of life, give or take a couple of days if it's going to happen. The pseudomenses usually only lasts for a day or less, and it doesn't hurt them. It's just a normal reaction to having been on the inside. That vaginal discharge can last for a couple of weeks, and that's normal. You don't need to necessarily clean it out aggressively. You don't have to go digging anywhere in the folds. Really, just clean the surface. If you separate with your fingers, just separate the labia a little bit to see what you can see, and then you can wipe the surface of that, and that's plenty of cleaning for them. As babies produce that discharge and it comes out of their body, it cleans out as it goes, and so you don't need to be going inside to clean. For baby boys... If they are circumcised, there are a couple of different types of circumcision. One is the gomco, and with that, it's a surgical kind. You'll need to put a piece of gauze with Vaseline over baby's penis every time you change the diaper until it's healed. That's because it will stick to the diaper as it's healing if you don't do that. Sort of like if you have a skinned knee and it sticks to a Band-Aid, when you go to pull that off, it could remove the top layer of skin and cause it to bleed pretty bad. So you want to just have like a bunch of Vaseline and then that gauze over it to protect it, and they can pee through that, so that's fine to do. If your baby has a plastibel, which is a plastic ring on their penis, you just want to wait until that dries up and falls off. So don't use any wipes on it. Don't let it get too wet. Change the diaper often. And if there's any poop, you can wipe that with a wipe. But otherwise, you want it to be as dry as possible. And it'll fall off typically within the first two weeks of life. Sometimes when it falls off, it can bleed a little bit. You can have a few drops of blood and that's normal. If it is actively bleeding, like drip, 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 you need to put some pressure on that with a cotton ball for about five minutes and that should stop it. If the Plastibel is getting ready to fall off. Sometimes it, the um, shaft of the penis will get red and swollen and inflamed, and that can be a normal thing as it's about to fall off as well. For babies who are intact, meaning not circumcised, those you just need to clean whatever you can see. So you'll just very gently hold the penis up with one hand and then clean the surface of it. You can very, very lightly pull backwards on the skin just to see a little bit of an opening at the tip of it but never forcefully retract that foreskin because that can actually tear and can bleed as well. So just very lightly hold on to it while you're cleaning it. 
Um, and again, only if there's poop over it, you don't need to clean off the pee necessarily. One scary thing with babies is how they breathe. Sometimes they'll breathe really fast for a while and then really slow for a while. And that can be real scary to watch because it can look like they stop breathing. So as long as they're breathing at least once every five seconds, it should be normal. But if you're worried, you can always call your doctor and ask. And sometimes they'll do this <gasps> kind of gasping breath after they've been not breathing as deeply for a while. And that is also totally normal. Now, the belly button should fall off within the first two weeks of life. And that can also sometimes bleed a little bit as it's falling off. Now, usually the bleeding that's coming out of the belly button is dried blood that was behind it. And there should be a little bit of goo from the umbilical cord. It's normal to have that there. And it's normal to look sort of like someone hocked a loogie on your baby's belly. And there's a little bit of blood in it. So when the belly button falls all the way off, I suggest just taking a wet washcloth with plain water on it, give it a little wipe, make sure there's not active bleeding going on. And again, active bleeding would mean that it would be dripping down your baby's belly down the side. If that is happening, hold pressure with a cotton ball for about five minutes and check and make sure it's stopped. And if it still hasn't stopped, you should call your doctor. Now your first checkup is going to be usually two or three days after your baby goes home when they're about three to five days old. It's normal for your baby to lose some weight at that checkup and then gain it again later. And that's because baby was just full of water on the inside of you. And also they're getting all of their food directly into their belly button without having to work for it. And now once they're out, they're having to work for their food. So that burns calories and they're crying and they're moving and that burns calories. So it's normal to lose a little bit of weight. Babies can lose up to 10% of their birth weight and have it still be normal. When it gets in the range of 15% is where we start to get a little worried about it. So your doctor will weigh your baby and check that and also check your baby's height. Normally they lose a little bit of length too and they're not actually shrinking. It's just that their muscles are a little stronger by that first checkup. And so their legs get a little more tucked up and they don't measure quite as long as when they were first born and super limp and you could stretch them out to their full length. They'll get their first hepatitis B vaccine at that first appointment if they didn't get it in the hospital. They'll check on mom as well um, to make sure that you're doing well, check for signs of postpartum depression, see if your milk is in yet, and they're going to ask what color poop your baby's having and how many poops per day they're having. This is going to assess their risk for jaundice. Now, jaundice is a yellow color of the skin and eyes. It's pretty common in newborns, and it usually happens in the first two weeks of life. It happens because babies are born with extra red blood cells. They have red blood cells from mom and red blood cells that they're making themselves. So they break down those maternal red blood cells that had passed through the placenta. And as they break them down, hemoglobin gets released and the hemoglobin turns into bilirubin in their body. And bilirubin is a yellow color. Bilirubin concentrates out um, in the stool or in baby's poop. So it's going to leave their body as they poop. And once their poop is that nice mustardy, seedy yellow color, they're pretty much in the clear for jaundice. But until then, they are reabsorbing some of the bilirubin from their gut, and it could turn their skin yellow. Now, the treatment for jaundice is phototherapy, where we put them under bright blue lights, and that's only if the level's getting to a dangerous point. But one thing you can do at home is keep the blinds open and give your baby some passive sunlight. And passive sunlight will help to break down that bilirubin into a form that they can also pee it out. So if you want to help your baby to reduce the risk of jaundice, feed them often and have a little bit of passive sunlight. When your doctor does a physical exam, they're going to look at the skin for jaundice and rashes, listen to the baby's heart and check for murmurs. 
They'll listen to the lungs, make sure there's no signs of pneumonia. They'll feel your baby's belly to see if any organs are enlarged or not. They'll check your baby's eyes for a red reflex, which if you remember back in the old days when photos would cause you to have red eye, that's what we're looking for in the office and red eye is normal. Um, then they'll check your baby's genitals, look for any signs of rash. If the baby is circumcised, they'll check to make sure it's healing well. We'll look at your baby's back and bottom to see if there's a dimple above their um, their butt crack or gluteal cleft. And that can be a sign that the spinal cord is stuck in one spot. So that's something important we check for. They'll look for any signs of spina bifida. They'll rotate your baby's hips and check for any clicks or clunks. Feel baby's head to check the fontanelles, which are the soft spots, and the sutures, and make sure that those are mobile. And then they'll check your baby's development. In the first couple of days of life, baby has some primitive reflexes. So that's uh, the grasp reflex, where if you touch your baby's palm with your finger, or if you touch the bottom of their foot, their fingers curl in and their toes curl in. It's super cute. Um, they'll also check for the rooting reflex, where if you stroke baby's cheek, they'll open their mouth and turn their head to that side. They'll check a moral reflex, which is the scariest one for parents to watch. Basically, if the baby feels like they're falling, the baby will put their arms out to the sides, out wide, and tuck their knees in. And we'll make sure that that's symmetrical. And then we'll also make sure baby's turning towards mom or dad when they hear their voice, that they can communicate their needs. When they're either hungry or wet, they should be crying. They should be able to fixate very briefly on a face. A baby is born with legal blindness, meaning 20 over 200 vision. They can only see about one foot clearly, which is about the distance from your face to your breast. So a baby who's breastfeeding should be able to look up and see their mom's face. And that's about all they can see clearly. So they should look briefly at you. It is normal for their eyes to go a little cross-eyed. Um, for the first few months of life. And they should start lifting their head when they're on your chest. They should lift away a little bit and work on their neck muscle strength there. We're going to give you a little bit of anticipatory guidance during that visit. And I'm going to just repeat that here on the podcast so you can refer back to it because I know we give you a whole lot of information during that visit. So here we go. With eating, they should only have breast milk or formula for the first four to six months of life. No water, no juice, no food, nothing else, just breast milk or formula is all they need. Mom should eat a wide variety of foods, as many different foods as possible. You shouldn't be cutting anything out when you're breastfeeding unless you're actually allergic to it. And you should be taking a prenatal vitamin the whole time that you're breastfeeding. That's to replenish your vitamins and your stores because babies are pretty good at sucking out all the nutrients they need from your body. So this will keep you replenished and healthy. You should be supplementing baby with 400 units of vitamin D per day. There are vitamin D drops that are in oil that you just give them one drop, or you can get an infant multivitamin, which is vitamin A, C, and D. And those infant vitamins, you give one ml once a day before they eat. Or if you're breastfeeding, mom can take 6,400 units, 6,400 units of vitamin D per day will put 400 units into your breast milk. Most prenatal vitamins have 400 units, so you need to take an extra 6,000 units per day on top of it in order to give your baby enough vitamin D. For sleep, you should always place your baby flat on their back to sleep with nothing else in the crib. You can remember ABC, they should be alone on their back in a crib when they go to sleep. And when we say crib, a bassinet is also good and actually preferred for the first couple of weeks of life. 
Fever is one of the most dangerous things in babies. Anything over 100.4 degrees is a fever and you need to call your doctor. For jaundice, we'll tell you how to spot it. It's the yellow color of the skin and eyes, um, why it happens and when it's dangerous, which is when it reaches a level of 20 to 25. And typically we can spot it when it's at a level of 10 to 12. So we usually catch it early, but definitely keep an eye out for jaundice and call your doctor if you're starting to see it in your baby. Your baby should be in a rear-facing car seat until they're two years old or until they outgrow that car seat. And you should avoid secondhand smoke around the baby that can increase their risk of SIDS. If you are smoking, smoke outside. That can help a lot um, instead of smoking in the house. Babies who are exposed to smoke are a lot more likely to die of SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. As far as bathing your baby, you need to wait until the umbilical stump has fallen off to put your baby in an actual bath. And then about once a week is plenty for, for baby baths. Until that umbilical stump falls off, you can wipe them down with a washcloth if they get smelly or if they get a little milk in their skin folds, you can wipe that off too. We'll teach you about baby skincare and let you know about the peeling skin if it's normal and if you need to do anything differently for it. And we'll talk to you about tummy time, which is about 15 minutes once or twice a day. You can start off doing tummy time with baby on your chest and leaning back and then uh, do official tummy time where you have them on a baby blanket on the floor for about 15 to 20 minutes per day. So this is everything you should know in the first week of life. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can get the next couple of episodes and listen along as your baby grows up. I hope this was really helpful for you. Thank you for listening to the Baby Manual Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button below so you don't miss the new episodes when they come out. I would also love it if you could leave me a review. If you'd like to buy a copy of the Baby Manual, it's on Amazon and Kindle. I'm the author, Dr. Carol Keim, and that's spelled K-E-I-M. You can also follow me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook to get some quick baby tips that will make you feel like an expert. Thanks for listening.